This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunity to inspiring sports journalists from historical black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. What's up, guys? Welcome to ESPN's Anscape's Roden Fellow Podcast. I'm your host, JC Christian, a communications major at the Alabama State University, Helen from Birmingham, Alabama. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by my producer and colleague, Pam Rents. Hey, everybody. I am Pam Rents, a senior broadcast journalism student from Waldorf, Maryland, and I go to Florida A&M University. I'm really excited for who we have on the podcast today, so let's jump right into it. Definitely, definitely. We do have some great guests today. Okay, so I'm sure by now, everybody around the world has seen the heated exchange between Coach Deion Sanders, Time and Coach Eddie Robinson of Alabama State University. I sure have, JC. One of my uh, friends from the March 100 sent me that video on Twitter. I was dying laughing. I was in a press conference with Mr. Deion Sanders when FAMU played him, and he's a bit of a character. But that exchange right there, comedic gold. Definitely, I feel you. And I met him. I met him personally at SWAC Media Day. I can understand the character. His ego is very big. But in that video, it's like, you know, the, you, you know how pretty much coaches come up after the game, win or lose, they shake each other's hand. And it was just crazy because, for one, okay, you got the hand, you got the handshake, and then Dion tried to go in for a hug, and Eddie Robertson just stopped him. Eddie Robertson Jr. just stopped him and was like, hey, I don't want a hug. And then there was a shove. And, you know, from just my perspective, you know, you see somebody shove somebody, I don't think I'm going out like that. You know, just, you know, just how, yeah. just how it's looking. You know, I, I don't think I'm going out like that. Me personally. It, it kind of was childish from both ends, I will say, because from what I was seeing on social media, it seemed as though at the beginning of the game, Deion Sanders had some type of attitude towards um, Coach Robinson. And he still had some feelings after the game. But from Little League soccer, you got you to gotta smack hands at the beginning of the game. You got to smack hands at the end of the game. These are coaches in collegiate football. Come yeah. on now. Right. And, it's, you know, you know, like I said, I was on the field. So I seen how Coach Dion kind of walked through everything and, you know, walked through the players on Alabama State side, not Jackson State side, but Alabama State side. I walked through the players and all that. So, so I could see how that animosity built up. But, you know, as a fan of the SWAC, I can see both sides. You know, I can see pretty much both sides of how, you know, both coaches felt, you know. I really can. Yeah, I totally agree. But it does have everybody riled up. I mean, Coach Sanders, he has the upper hand. His team's undefeated, and his son is an All-American QB1. But, I mean, you got to respect the game. You got to respect people who paved the way. And Coach Robinson has been in the SWAT games, and he's here with us on the podcast to explain his side of the story. So today we're, we're joined by Coach Eddie Robinson Jr. of Alabama State University, the head coach. Hey, Coach, how you doing today? 
I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing, doing well. good. So, you know, you pretty much went viral last week, you know, going not last week, but the week before with Deion Sanders. And, you know, you said a couple of things in the interview. Well, not interview, but the press conference that kind of stood out, you know, like pretty much he's not sweat. I'm sweat. So the question that I have for you is what makes a person sweat? Like, what does it take to become sweat as a person? Yeah, that's, that's a uh, that's a very good question. You come you come right at it. So that's that's good. Um, so I think the the best way for me to answer that, and you know, for me, you know, when I say I'm swack and what it means to me, that's all I can that's all I can say, is that you know coming to Alabama State as a walk on from New Orleans, um, you know, offensive lineman on academic scholarship, and you know when you go to HBCU, especially in the late '80s, early '90s, and and before. Um, you know, we just really didn't have all of the resources that some of the bigger schools and the PWIs had. And so it, it was a struggle. I mean, it, it was a struggle from, you know, having to travel from Montgomery to, to Houston by bus in order to play a football game, you know, riding 12 hours and having to play a game and then having to ride back and take care of all the academic responsibilities, you know, not having all the equipment and those type of things in some of the bigger schools. So I, I think, uh, but out of that struggle, it bred some great players and some great individuals who went on to do you know, just um, some phenomenal things, you know, Alabama State graduates and beyond. And so and so for me, when they say I'm swack, it's like, you know, I've, I've been through the the financial struggles and the, you know, lack of resources struggles, but still was able to make it to the NFL, still able to get my degree in chemistry and now able to be able to come back to the university. And, and now to see that the kids that we have on campus now have so much more than we have. They have a beautiful stadium. You know, we travel. We, I think we flew to four games this year. Um, and so to me, it's just it's just a whole lot more, you know, that we have. And so I'm very appreciative of it. But I want our kids to know that hey, these things just didn't come automatically, you know, just from the standpoint of us getting an automatic bid, you know, to the NCAA for the basketball teams. So that's something that Marino Chasm and a lot of other people in the co conference had to fight for. It wasn't something that was just given to us. So to me, everything that the SWAC has are things that 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 the people before us who shoulders we stand on had to fight for it. So I, I take that real personal. So when I say I'm swack, it's like I've, I've been through it. I understand it and I appreciate it. And at the same time, I'm trying to make it better for every other student athlete that's coming behind me. So that's kind of the why I am swack. And then I'll, I'll let you fill in the rest. <laughs> that was a thorough, thorough answer. I, I promise you. I promise like that. That's definitely going to get the point across. I will say, um, Kodrop, if you're uh, uh, you're not familiar with me, I am Pam Rents. I'm JP's uh, producer today and his uh, colleague. I go to Florida A&M University. I actually um, marched in the March of 100. And I'll say that <laughs> before, I know we're real fresh to the swag. Y'all have been kind of nice to us somewhat. But we, <laughs> we, used to, we used to shake in our boots when we were in the MEAC and we had to come across a swag team. Like it was just such a big deal. I would definitely say that Swack has a lot of respect. Swack uh, has uh, a lot of great athletes, musicians, professional, successful, successful people from all over that come through. And, you know, what you were saying, add to the rich history. And I can definitely say, like, from seeing the MEAC side of FAMU and then the Swack side of FAMU, that it's not is not taken lightly when you come in and you're not uh, respectful to the culture, especially when people or a, a organization is 
welcoming you with open arms. Nobody's, you know, pushing the buttons, you know, in, in light heart and lightheartedness, you know, and playfulness. But I, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, I appreciate it. And and to me, I guess coming up in the conference, we always looked at the SWAC as being the the top dog, so to say, when it comes to HBCU football. And, uh, you know, and no disrespect to the MEAC at all, but I, I think we, we kind of looked at the MEAC as being a step below. But, I mean, if you look at the last 10 to 15 years, especially with the MEAC SWAC Challenge and the Celebration Bowl, I mean, the MEAC has, has been on top of the SWAC. So I think that competition between the SWAC and MEAC is huge. But to me, I, I think when you say that, that I'm SWAC or I'm HBCU, I think SWAC is kind of the acronym just because, you know, we're the, the bigger um, – football conference, so to say, because of the number of players who have come through with the Grambles and the Jackson States and Southerns, you know, guys who have made it to the NFL and have made it to the Hall of Fame and that type of stuff. But I think when you say I'm swack, it's kind of like all of the HBCUs, whether you're CIAA, SIAC, you know, Tennessee State, you know, you're in OVC, it's still, if you went to HBCU, you kind of understand what it means to have limited resources, but to still you know, through, through all of that, have a great appreciation and love for your university. And then, you know, people who graduate and go on to do great things. So I think it's, it's all inclusive to me. It's like you're a swack or you're a cousin of the swack, you're, you know, stepson of the swack, however you want to look at it, it's all family. So I just I just love HBCUs. I love the football culture. Um, and I, I'm just a fan of it. And I've been in love with it since I was a kid. And, and now as an adult, to be a coach in it is just a, a dream come true. And it's something that I really appreciate. Definitely. I definitely feel you when you say, you know, you were a kid looking at the swag and you played in the swag. Now you're coaching the swag. So my last question for you, you know, the swag conference has hired new coaches such as yourself, Deion Sanders and Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson, just to throw a few names out there. How do you feel like the swag is changing from when you played to now as a coach? Well, I think right now from a football standpoint, you know, and it's because of course the, Southwestern Athletic Conference is not just football. I mean, that's the sport that like most conferences like the SEC, the same way the football gets all the notoriety. But at the same time, you know, looking at the SWAC, I just think that we have a we're in a really good space right now. You know, I think once you added Bethune, Cookman and FAMU, it just really kind of locked the conference in because now you're going from Florida all the way to Texas. So you're really covering the whole southeast, even though it's Southwest Athletic Conference. So but uh, geographically, I mean, I just think it's a huge footprint. And we start off with the MEAC Swag Challenge and the Swag uh, and, and the Celebration Bowl. Both are in Atlanta. So even though we don't have a member institution in, in the state of Georgia, I mean, we have a huge footprint in Atlanta. And, of course, we have a lot of us Swag alumni in the state of Georgia. So I just feel like the conference is in a great place with us having a championship game. Uh, so even though we don't go to the, the FCS playoffs, you know, the fact that we have a, 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 a football championship game and then also have a celebration bowl game is something that you can look forward to. So when I'm recruiting, I'm looking at us as saying, Hey, we're on ESPN. We're playing uh, nationally televised games. And if we win our conference, then you get to play in the bowl game. And the fact of the matter is, you know, Jackson state um, last year when they played in the bowl game versus South Carolina, South Carolina state, I mean, they outdrew the peach bowl in attendance, which was a one week later, which was the FBS bowl game. So, I mean, for me, I just love where the conference is going. I mean, I love the thing that you get NFL coaches like Hugh Jackson, you know, NFL Hall of Famers like like uh, Deion Sanders. And so um, and myself, you know, another NFL guy. And so I, I just think it's huge that we have those those guys in place and not to, you know, Willie Simmons and, and McNair and those guys who have been in the conference for the last couple of years who are doing a great job. 
So I, I feel like all of those coaches that are involved and not, you know, Bubba McDowell and other guys, Purview is a former NFL player. So if you just look at the coaches and what we're doing as institutions um, as a whole and the marketing that we have on TV, I think it's just a great time to be in the SWAC. And I think the best years are here to come. You know, every yeah. time I interview you, I, I always say you have the best answers out of every person that no, I know you think. really do. Are you were you a journalism <laughs> student back in the uh, back in college? Nah, I uh you know, I was a chemistry major, but you know, I took and I, I tell people all the time, like Alabama State, like if not for Alabama State, then where would I be? Because I took a public speaking class and I took a voice and diction class. So it really helped me. And then my coach made me go to different places and speak, although I didn't want to. And so um once I got to the NFL, it just kind of had me prepare for it. And then I started doing, you know, I did like television for eight years. So don't forget. So, I mean, uh, I'm kind of probably a little bit more prepared than most coaches from a media standpoint. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on this podcast. I really, really do. So Pam, that was a great segment with coach Ada Robertson Give me a great answers from my HBCU coach, HBCU legend, swag legend, period. 11 years in the NFL, everything speaks for itself. I totally agree. He definitely was very thorough with explaining what swag is and why it should be um, respected and why he has paid his time to the swag. Okay, so when you talk about HBCU football, or HBCUs as a whole, think about historical black, I'm sorry, let me start that over. When you talk about the SWAT, you think about HBCUs as a whole, historical black college and universities as a whole today is something different from what it was back then. But today we are glad to have an important guest, a cornerback with the Rams, Jacoby Durant, a guy that went to South Carolina State University and now he's in the NFL doing this thing. Hey, Jacoby, how are you? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. That's good. That's good, man. It's a pleasure meeting you today and a pleasure to have you on the Road and Fellow Podcast. Oh, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, you know, I'm just going to jump right into it. You know, you went to SC State for a while. You know, did you ever see yourself going to the NFL from, you know, an HBCU? Uh, well, I always had the dream of going to the NFL. Uh Going to South Carolina State or uh, well, going to the NFL from South Carolina State? No, because, you know, all, you know, growing up, a lot of kids just see the picture. Uh, they want to go to Power Five schools like Clemson, Carolina. So um, I always wanted to go to Clemson. But, you know, things didn't work out how it was supposed to work out. Um, I ended up going to South Carolina State, which was the best decision I ever made. That's what's up. What would you say um, your favorite part of South Carolina culture is and how does that differ from like the L.A. culture now that you're um, out there with the Rams? Oh, man, it's it's totally different out here in L.A. Uh, for one, it's the weather. I'm going to start there. The weather out here is perfect. Uh, it hardly ever rains. Um, it's sunny every day. Uh, it's just something you don't really get to see in South Carolina. Um, I mean, the only the only thing I really had to like really adapt to is like the food, really. 
it's nothing, nothing crazy. But yeah, the food would be the 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 thing mostly I have to adapt to because I'm so used to the southern food. You can't get no good southern food out in LA, really? <laughs> Uh, not really. It's not, not really like no. they do it in South Carolina. Yeah, not like how they do it in South Carolina. Like, you have some soul food spots, but it's nothing like what I eat back in South Carolina. I mean, like, they don't even have a, like, one of my favorite rest, fast food restaurants, Bojangles. They don't have that. They don't have Zaxby's. They don't have no, no stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm making it do what it do. You say Bojangles, you know, it's definitely Bowtown. So I definitely understand that. <laughs> and You're so corny. Oh, my God. Bojangles <laughs> is okay. I'm a, I'm a Popeye's girl. Sorry. I'm a they Church's got... chicken guy. I'm not going to lie. Do they have churches in LA? Church's chicken? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen one. No, I don't think so. They ain't got churches in LA? Nah, I'm not taking a trip no more. <laughs> but okay, but, you know. Um, oh, go ahead, man. You got it. I was, I was gonna say, yeah. So when you were at uh, South Carolina State, how um, how did the work ethic and the um, the dedication that you put in there uh, get you to the NFL? Um, just attacking every day like it was my last. You know, I just approached it in a different way, like. Uh, I would say I had the mindset of not having a plan B. Like, I had to make plan A work. You know, I mean, I had a plan B, but at the same time, like, um, I'm starting in my brain, like, plan A, plan A is going to work. Plan A is going to work. So, you know, I just attack every day, you know, like it was my last. And then I just had self-motivation of just pursuing my dreams and not giving up. That's really cool. I definitely think that the um, the rhetoric of using um, every day like it's your last or using every day like someone's trying to steal your spot. We um, we talked with a player from um, a previous player from the Ravens this summer, um, Anthony Levine, and he literally said word for word like what you just said. Like it seems like those who come from uh, smaller programs or HBCU programs and then do make it through the NFL, have that mm -hmm. same mindset. Right. Right. That's that's 100% correct, I feel like. So definitely, you know, uh, another question for you, just how does one go from an HBCU life, you know, the HBCU dorms, HBCU campus as a whole, to California, you know, making good money, playing the game that he loves, and just trying to balance life? Like, how does that work? Um, I mean, I got a good team behind me as far as family members, uh, agent, and everybody that's attached to me uh, going through this process. Uh, you know, just making the transition from being on campus to living on my own out in California. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, I talk to my folks every day if I need a question about anything as far as, like, moving into an apartment, you know, getting a car, things of that nature. Um, they helped me a whole lot, um, and I appreciate them for helping me, you know, 
staying on track and not doing the wrong thing when it's like well, it was time for me to purchase something. I was just going to say family goes a long way, especially like, you know, when you get into these big time positions, they have been your support system from day one, all the way from diapers, all the way up until you've been a grown man. So I definitely understand when you say you have a great team behind you and it's good to know that you stay level headed, that you stay humble. And that's something that, you know, families always teach. So when we're young, they always tell you you can be whatever you want to be. And once you get there, I always stay level, stay humble, do what you have to do to stay there. And I definitely feel that message. Yeah, for sure. Well, I do have another question for you. You know, playing with, you know, pros, how, how is it? Like, do you ever have to remind yourself that you're in the NFL now? Does it feel real? <laughs> That's a funny question. I've I've been waiting on somebody to ask me this question. Uh, I wake up every day and just I'm at all. Every day I wake up like I'm in the NFL, like I'm really here, you know. So like every day I, you know, I get in my car, I travel to the facility, and I'm in there with like players that I actually like used to play with on Madden. And now that I'm on Madden now, so like it's a crazy feeling. And then. I'm in the same room with one of my favorite players, Jalen Ramsey. So it's really like at an all time all because, you know, I've been watching him for a long time and now I'm learning the game from him in the same room, watching film together, breaking down film. So it's just, you know, at an all time high right now. Um, I still remind myself that I'm in the NFL and, you know, I can't be like, oh, I'm, I'm playing with this person. I'm playing. I see this person because at the same time, I'm in the NFL, too. So I'm, I'm here now. Uh, but, I mean, even when in the game time, like, I still at the beginning of the games are like warm-ups and things. And I see, like, Trayvon Diggs and, and other guys like that on the opposing team. I just be like, man, it's crazy that I'm, I'm sharing the same field with these guys now. I was – I'm going to piggyback off this and ask, um, so your interception, like your first inter, um, NFL interception has like multiple articles out on HBCU game day I saw. Um, I'm pretty, oh, NFL all day had one. Like mm. how did, what was that moment for you? Like what did that mean to you for your first interception um, in the NFL on an NFL team? Um. It was a huge moment because I didn't I, I didn't get no reps on defense that whole that whole week. I'm just I was I was just doing special teams, but I always prepare myself to you never know when something may happen and the next man is up. So at that moment, um, you know, we had a situation with Troy Hill and he went down. So next man up was me. And I felt like I prepared myself watching film, um, studying and, you know, the plays of, you know, the what we what we the scheme that we wanted to run against the Falcons. Um, you know, it was just a huge moment. And when coach told me that it was my time to shine, it was my time to shine. So uh, I just, you know, did what I always do since college. I mean just picked up. Uh, I felt like it was no slack when Troy, when Troy went down and I came in, uh, we just picked up where we left off and ball ended up in my hands and I wish I would have scored, but you know, one thing led to another. Then I got a, a sack too. So, I mean, it definitely was a, 
an amazing day, amazing feeling. Um, I can't thank nobody but God because, you know, I wouldn't be here without him. You can definitely say that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, he he always gives us opportunities no matter what. Um, You know, to kind of piggyback off, you know, your first interception. You know, I know as a – I used to play ball a long time ago. I I didn't hang my cleats up a long time ago. I'm retired. But it's like, you know – being a player, I didn't think when I played. So, did you do you do you think when you play? Like, you know, when you got the interception, were you thinking at all, or were you just doing the thing that you know? Well, it's really, you know, if you think long, you think wrong at defensive back. I say, you want to have short term memory when you're playing defensive back. So, uh, there's really no thinking. It's just instincts and you know trusting the man beside you uh, a lot of communication communication and studying film i mean they break the huddle and you see the formation um it's just what you watch on film and then you just take what you watch on film and try to translate it into the game and see like what what offenses is showing that can you know trigger your brain to let you know what's finna happen so, I mean, and at that time, it was just, you know, uh, we communicated and then, boom, interception, going the other way. <laughs> I got you. I got you. And, um, you know, it's not every day that you talk to an NFL player, so I'm definitely going to ask it. Playing with a team coming off a Super Bowl, you know, a Super Bowl win, mm-hmm. How how's the leadership, like, you know, I know that's a whole dynamic. We're talking pretty much Tom Brady mindset, pretty much the GOAT. But how do you – how is the leadership there? Like, you know, I, I know it changes because you just came off a of Super Bowl and you have people that are on that team that has been there for a while, people that have big names there, like you said, Jalen Ramsey. You know, mm-hmm. how does how is the leadership there, period? The leadership is at an all-time high. Like, the standard is high. Like, we hold ourselves to a high standard. Um, just coming into training camp, um, one of the things that I took from Jalen was that uh, in our room, we need to be a, a tone setter and game changers. Um, we need to be the swaggiest on the field. We need to set the tone. We need to be the game changers to, you know, tag everybody else along and have everybody else uh, setting their standards high. So that's just the leadership that, uh, you know, that we go by each and every day. And, you know, every time I step between the white lines, even in practice, it's just, you know, uh, make the man across from me better. Push them to make them know that when the game time come, it'll be easy. That's a really good um, way to think of it, I would definitely say. And mm-hmm. when when people push you, when your teammates push you to be better, um, it's like no hard feelings when you have that um, mindset? Yeah, no hard feelings. I faced Cooper Cup all throughout training. Uh, the triple crown receiver. Um, he's just a guy that, you know, pushed me throughout training camp. And definitely I can say when I played against the Falcons, it was just like, so slow like everything was just like slow down you had too much time to think really yeah like it was just <laughs> it, it was it was just 
a great opportunity. And, you know, uh, I appreciate Cooper because when we do have our battles, he let me know what I'm like, what he sees in me to, you know, that give him that extra advantage to catch the ball. So it's just little things like that, having that communication that we on the same team that he can help me and I can help him as well. Even though he's a veteran, uh, you know, I told him a few things too. And, you know, he used it. And he always tell me, if I see something, let him know. Cooper Cup is definitely him. Like I watched him. He's, you know, I really, I really thought, you know, my, my first game watching him, I thought he was underrated. And then I watched him, I'm like, yeah, he's him. Like he's nah. going crazy. And every ball that goes this way, he's catching it. He's snagging it. And, you know, I, this yeah. was my last question before uh Pam had if, he, if she has anything else to say, but I know you mentioned Jalen Ramsey earlier. Like you used to play with him on Madden and now you with you know you're going head and head against Cooper Cup. You know, how how are those relationships like, you know, on and off the field? I know on the field with Cooper, you just said he gives you pointers on what you need to work on because he is a, you know, top five receiver in the NFL today from my viewpoint. But, you know, how is that relationship with him and Jalen? Uh, the relationship is great. Um, anytime I needed the, the, you know, a question about anything, they always has open ears to answer any question that I have. Uh, they just like to break the big brothers, you know. Um, and I'm the little brother that's always nagging them, maybe. I guess that's how I can say it. But I'm not really, like, in their hip pocket all the time, you know. But as uh, far as, you know, Jalen, I could say, yeah, because me and Jalen, if I got a question about anything, um, he's probably one I go to first uh, with anything about, you know, football, you know. Um, we spent some time together at his crib uh, during training camp. So it's just really building the bond, you know. Definitely, I feel that. Um, Pam, you have anything else? Nope, that's all I had. Uh, we really appreciate you, Kobe, coming on here. Uh, your answers were really nice. Uh, I'm excited to see what else you're going to pull out for us for the rest of the season. And we hope to see you in the Super Bowl again, too. Uh, yeah. I really need to get there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's it for the Rodan Fellow podcast this week. You know, I'm yep. JC Christian, your host. And I'm Pam Rent, your co-host. And our wonderful guest, the Kobe Durant. Appreciate y'all for having me out here. And you Thank know, the you. guy that really made it possible. You know, <laughs> I do want you to come off mute for a second. Mr. Rock. <laughs> I appreciate you for it answering that email because I know you were kind of shocked when I emailed you. Of course, my pleasure. <laughs>